0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadab. Well, um, I do apologize, first of all, for getting the podcast out late. Um, I was a little torn on how to go about this because, as I posted on Twitter just now, um, I wanted to stay up for New Year's. I haven't done that in forever and just felt like it. Plus, some of the kids are getting older, and it's like, you know what? Let's just stay up. So we did. Um I always did that when I was a kid with my parents. I'm the no fun parent that's like, nah, dude, we're going to bed. Sorry. I also just realized we were kind of D bag neighbors. <laughs> Maybe it was more uh, common, I guess. I don't know. But dude, we go outstairs with, or outside with party poppers and those little spinny things and the little blow horns and making all kinds of noise. We weren't the only ones necessarily, but I'm positive that we're neighbors that we woke up. Like the guy directly next door was like 90 years old. He probably hated us with a passion. I know he did. He was a nice guy, but you know when you're a kid, you don't really know stuff. And then when you get older, you're like, oh, we were those neighbors. (laughs) I didn't know. That and my dad was a drummer, which I mean, he was in the basement when he did it, but I'd walk home from school once in a while and I could hear it. You know, a half a block away, like, oh, dad's drumming, sweet. That and the occasional visit from the police, you know. Man, we were those neighbors, that's crazy. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, I stayed up and all that. So, um, here's the deal. Uh Half of this is already recorded with my score predictions. Pretty excited about it. It was a lot of fun. And um, the, the main driver behind it, because I, I kind of stopped doing that because I was like, I don't think anybody really wants to listen to that. I'm not positive. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Probably a better episode for like a Saturday for the gambling crowd that wants some insights rather than early Sunday morning, although you can still place a bed. Um, but here's my thought process. This whole Vikings thing is really, really interesting to me. I'm going to give you a couple more nuggets that i found while digging around unfortunately my stupid uh tabs close so i'm gonna have to see if i can find the detailed specifics that i had uh again otherwise i'll give you some generalities it'll be close either way but here's here's and i I kept wanting to say something like this on on the twitters but you know character limits and whatnot so i just there's no way i could have done it without doing a thread and i'm like i'm just just gonna wait for the podcast but i was it was killing me like i really want to record this because i would That's why I have a podcast. I got to get this off my chest. Here's the situation. Data is only as good as its ability to predict the future. That's it. There's no gray area with that. Data is only as good as its ability to predict the future. And that brings us to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings fans are convinced that, and I don't think they realize they're doing this, but they're challenging all of conventional wisdom. On what it means to be a good football team, or at the very least, that there is context that's missing, which is entirely possible. I'm sure um, our view on these things, you know, when, when you talk about these, these extremely complex machines that run algorithms in this billion-dollar industry that is sports gambling, obviously getting information right is very, very important. And that's why I sort of dismissed that one video I played with the guy saying all oh, Vegas is just stupid, and you know they, they just want to get equal amount of bets on both sides. Come on, man, no chance. There, there is unlimited amounts of money you could make in sports games. And it, it, I mean, honestly, there, there. I remember a while ago they had on like DraftKings and stuff. You know how they have those big tournaments where there's like five hundred thousand people that are in them. And you know, if you get in the top one hundred, you can make like a hundred bucks. You know, it's like a three, two dollar, five dollar buy in, whatever. You can make like a hundred bucks if you get in the top one hundred, but you can make like a million dollars if you get to number one. They would have um there there are organizations out there that would place and some of these there there's no limit to the amount of of bets you can place. So they would bet hundreds or thousands of different Things and, and combinations, but they had these computers and algorithms that would give you all these combinations. And essentially, it was it was like one big giant scam, not from DraftKings or FanDuel necessarily, but just in the illusion that you actually had a chance of winning because these guys they would do everything they could to get the perfect information, and they were basically just taking money from these from these guys. And and DraftKings and FanDuel don't really care as long as the illusion that you have a chance. Is there so that you go play. And they had some where, uh, you know, you can only bet this, that, or the other. But either way, if you can be the guy that can find that little bit of extra detail, you find that little bit of extra nuance, that you're basically printing money with this draft, uh, th- this stuff. And that's why Vegas needs to be on the cutting edge to make sure that there really isn't that much of an advantage. But you don't need much of an advantage, just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of an advantage. Because if you can win more often than you lose, you place all the bets, you win a lot of money. And so, this is serious business. Knowing exactly what data is, is valuable, what data isn't, and to what degree is it valuable, right? I know point differential matters. I know, you know, whether I don't think people necessarily use DVOA, but I would be willing to bet there is a proprietary version of DVOA that is being used. That is to say, um, y- uh, quality of win quality of losses, those types of things factored into these ridiculously massive algorithms that are running. And so that's what Vikings fans are up against when they're just saying flippantly, don't believe it, stupid, you don't know what you're talking about. They're challenging all of conventional wisdom. And so the question is, first of all, it's really not a question of whether or not we can challenge conventional wisdom in its entirety so that we can actually believe that the Vikings are a 12-3 and 3 tw- team in terms of their quality. that's That's been dismissed. And I don't even think most Vikings fans would say that. I, again, I talked to Peter on Twitter. He's kind of keeping me updated on all the stuff from Vikings Twitter or whatever. It seems to me Vikings fans, let's just say it's split. Some think that they're legitimate 12-win team. Some say they're closer to 10-9 wins, something like that. I think the data would suggest they're – closer to where the Packers are, about a seven-win team. Because again, the Packers are expected to win, I think even on a neutral field, but I'm not entirely sure. I can look that up, but I don't know if I want to do that right now. It's kind of beyond the point at this point. We've covered this so many times, so many ways. Let's just say it's close. Here's maybe the only place where I would concede that maybe we're missing something. Could you say that the best bet is to have the Vikings... Maybe minus two and a half. That is to say, is there some crazy variable that says the way that this team is built? And yes, luck is definitely a factor to some degree. Like it is with every team, maybe a little bit more with the Vikings. But is there is there a thing out there? Is there a kind of team, a a sort of DNA of a team that is unique in that it's not just quality from from you know one to ten like everybody else, and then you Mark your spot on that chart, and then you, you kind of just say, there you go, there they, there they are. That maybe this team isn't necessarily high quality in the traditional sense, but they have one attribute that needs to be factored into the algorithm, and that's dogged determinism. It's that Tom Brady attribute, that I will not die attribute. They play better when they're down. They play at their best when, uh, you know, when the game is on the line. I don't know. I'm I'm just, I'm digging for something. But here here's the larger point. Outside of that, like I said to start the show, data is only as good as its ability to predict the future. And every time you make a statement about the Vikings, you're making a statement about what you think in terms of data. Let me give you an exact example of, of what I'm saying. Let's leave out the, well, I think the Vikings are eight win or nine win or 10 win. Let Let's look specifically at the belief that they are a legitimate 12-win team, I pulled up some, some data from the past. Similar games, and by similar, I'm talking Vikings win percentage versus Packers win percentage, and probably around week 10 or so, because if you go too early, you have some games that are, despite the gap in win percentage, the winning team is only like one or two games ahead of the other team. So I want there to be a significant gap. There's only a handful of games where, you know, you're at least four, five, six games ahead of the other team. The average win margin for these teams is 12 points. On average, a team as quote-unquote good, if we're just looking at records, as good as the Vikings against a team as bad as the Packers is 12 wins. I'm sorry, 12 points, not 12 wins. That makes absolutely no sense. 12 points is the average spread, margin, whatever. Interestingly enough, there is only one other game this week in which there are similar point spreads. That is the 11-4 49ers against the 6-9 and nine Raiders. The 49ers are 9.5-point favorites. The Vikings, I will remind you again, are 3-point underdogs. Now, here's the other question that's crazy. How many times has a team with a record like the Vikings going up against a team with a record like the Packers been three-point underdogs? The answer is almost never. Since, let's say, 2014, I found two examples, ever. One was just a couple weeks ago when the Vikings went up against the Lions, and this is what I've been trying to tell you. We've already been running this experiment about whether or not conventional wisdom is right or wrong. We've, the, the experiment has been running. I think it started around the Dallas game. That was the other thing I was trying to figure out is, when did Vegas kind of start to say, I don't think I trust them anymore? The last time they were big-time favorites, and by the way, every single time they were big-time favorites, they did not cover the spread. They didn't cover it once. The last time, I think they were eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Let me just look it up to be specific here. Yep. So let's just run through it quickly. The Vikings were two-point favorites, which is, you want to talk about respect, you're going up against Green Bay in your two-point favor. I know they're at home, and again, two points is about, so they basically called it a coin flip, but considering if you look at last year, I think that's a good amount of respect given to the Vikings, and and, and Vegas was rewarded for that. They won by way more than two points. After that, the Eagles were three-point favorites, and the Eagles smashed the Vikings. Uh, The Vikings were six and a half point favorites against the Lions, and they only won by four. Again, the only time they've had these sort of, let's call it more than four and a half, because four and a half was the biggest uh, spread they had against the horrific New York Giants, uh, they underwhelmed. The Vikings were four point favorites against the Saints. They didn't cover that. They only got three. They were eight and a half point favorites against the Bears, and they won by seven, which is close. But again, they keep overestimating the Vikings, and so Vegas kind of had to kind of had to kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of gear that got, 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 got down. Developing a stutter in my old age. So then, when they started becoming like three point favorites and whatnot, they would, they would cover that, and then they beat the Bills, right? That's kind of a big deal. So now you go up against the Cowboys, and the Cowboys, um, well, it's still kind of weird. You look at the Cowboys. the The Vikings were eight and one. The Cowboys were six and two. It was in Minnesota, and the Cowboys were two and a half point favorites. Even that is kind of weird, especially when you factor in, if you look at who else is being disrespected by Vegas when I ran some of these numbers and whatnot, the only other team that would consistently pop up is the Cowboys. They also have this fraud factor. So you have a fraudulent six and three team going up against a fraudulent eight and one team in Minnesota, and the Cowboys were two and a half point favorites, and the Cowboys won 40 to three. So I don't know what happened. It almost seems like after the Bills game, because Bills were only six and a half point favorites and the Vikings won. And at that point, something switched and they're like, I don't know. Very weird. Then the Vikings at home against the Patriots, only two and a half point favorites. They did cover that. Then the Vikings at home again against the Jets, who again, were quite, they had a seven and four record, but were on a deep, deep slide. Probably had replaced their quarterback six times at this point. Only three-point favorites. Yes, they covered that. And then again, around the time of the Lions game is when it seemed like something really, really flipped. Five and seven Lions, 10 and two Vikings. And the Vikings were on a, uh, I mean, at least a two-game win streak. And they made the Lions two-and-a-half-point favorites. And, and again, this is where the experiment really starts for me. Because this is when it became very clear that everybody, including Vegas, has now declared the Vikings as complete frauds. This is where Vikings fans started coming out of the woodwork and screaming, this is ridiculous, this is wrong, Vegas is wrong, everybody's wrong. And what happened? Again, this should have been a comfortable, probably what, 10 point win by the Minnesota Vikings. They should have been six, seven, eight point favorites in this game if this is a normal ten and two and five and seven team. And again, the notion that the reason the Packers are three-point favorites is because everybody's so high in the Packers is not true. They were just underdogs against a middling Miami team. This has nothing to do with overrating the Packers. Everybody fully understands what the Packers are. Don't dismiss what this actually is. When we say this is historic in terms of the fraudulent nature of the Minnesota Vikings, it's also being bore out right here. So this was test number one. Vegas put their foot down and said they are officially frauds to the point that I will declare the Lions two and a half point favorites, and that was called ridiculous. And the Lions won. Then they were three and a half point favorites against a horrific Colts team, and had to take them into overtime and won by three. They did not cover the spread, and then another tr- horrific Giants team, who's won you know again one game in in the last seven or so, the the. Four and a half point spread at home. So we're talking neutral field, like two point favorites. They didn't cover that spread. Only won that game by three. And now again, Packers in Green Bay, clearly better than the Colts and Giants. No matter what you think about the Packers and how much they're struggling, and they are, the Packers are significantly better than the Colts and Giants. And the last two games were at home. If you subtract out, let's just call it two points, they were one-and-a-half-point favorites against the Colts and and two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Giants, and those are two of the worst teams in football. On a neutral field, they barely beat those two teams at home. The last time they were on the road was against the Lions. The Lions have been slipping. They lost. Before that, they barely beat the hapless Jets, and that was at home. They've been at home a lot. I mean, it's at home, at home, at Lions, at home, at home, at home. This whole stretch starting with the Cowboys has been at home. And again, if, if, if you look it up, and I will I'll give you the specifics here, 2014 was the last time I found something similar. Here are all the examples I can find. Depending on the settings. I tweaked it to uh include a couple others, but it's still going back to 2010. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven examples. In what, 13 years? Two of them are the Vikings. Vikings right now, and the Vikings against the Lions. The most recent was Chiefs-Chargers. The 14-1 Chiefs at home against the 6-9 and Chargers in 2020. Do you know why the Chargers are favorites? Because it was the last week of the season and they were pulling their starters. So we can scrap that one. Okay, fine. What about the next one? You have the 10-4 and Texans and the 7 and 7 Eagles in 2018. Now again, that's nowhere near as big of a spread. 7 win team against a 10 win team. This week you have a 7 win team against a 12 win team, but we'll call it close. This one is a little bit more iffy with the Houston Texans, but I can still give you the reasons. For example, the uh, Houston Texans running back in uh you know, they're they're run to success. you know. So Deshaun Watson was a quarterback. He was still healthy. Lamar Miller was their top back. He was out. Also, Will Fuller, their number two wide receiver behind DeAndre Hopkins, he was out. He was on IR. Is that enough to push this? I kind of think so because the other thing at play here is that the Eagles really turned it on around week 12. They beat the Giants. They beat the Redskins. They lost an overtime to the Dallas Cowboys on the road and then beat the Rams on the road and were heading into Houston. So they were a, a, a team that was four and six, and ended up seven and seven by the time they got to Houston. So similar to the Packers, they had kind of turned it on, but also Houston had some injuries. Houston, by the way, not really declining anywhere. They weren't on a on a big skid necessarily. And so, so ultimately, you did kind of have two relatively evenly matched teams. Plus, the the, the Texans did they they had a big win streak, then they hit their injuries. And it was win-loss-win, and then they play the Eagles and lost and then win. So that, that's when it started to get volatile for the Houston Texans. So again, you can kind of explain it. And it's it's a close spread, but there you go. Prior to that, Cowboys-Eagles, 13-2 Cowboys at the 6-9 and Eagles. Why were the Eagles 6.5-point favorites? Again, Week 17. What does that tell you? They're pulling their starters. Prior to that, 2014, the 11-4 Cardinals against the 7-8 49ers. Why? Would it be, well again? Week seventeen, and then prior to that, Cardinals at Rams again, twenty fourteen. Um, you've got the ten and three Cardinals, six and seven Rams. The Rams are six point favorites. Why? Because the Cardinals lost their quarterback a few weeks prior, and so Vegas didn't see them as the same team anymore. So again, you've got three of these games are week seventeen where they're pulling their starters. One of these games where the starting quarterback was out. The other game, and again, the Texans-Eagles, it was only three-game difference, 10-4 and four and 7-7. Seven and seven. So they're already relatively equal. You got the Texans starting to lose games. You got the Eagles on a win streak. The Texans lost their running back, their starting running back, and their number two wide receiver, Will Fuller. And the Eagles at home were just two-point favorites, meaning they're roughly, roughly even on a neutral field, possibly slightly in the Texans' favor still. Okay. All that said, explain the twelve and three Vikings being three point underdogs to the seven and eight Packers. What is the thing? They got their quarterback, their running back, their star receivers, they have their two pass rushers. They don't have they don't have any injuries. None that matter, unless you want to say their rookies would have been just dynamite. I mean, really, what? Cam Dansler? And I think he's playing, but he was on IR for a stint. Garrett Bradbury, I mean, I get you don't want to lose a starting center, but he's been consistently, aside from the guard to his right, one of the worst pass blockers in all of football. Andrew Booth and Louis Seen, sorry, I'm not buying that that's a big loss. Um, ben Elifson, Thomas Hennigan, Ola B.C. Johnson, uh, Irv Smith, which again, you've already acquired your new star tight end, and Kenny Willicus. Otherwise, as far as I can tell, you're, nobody, nobody's nobody been on IR. Injury report for this week is really, really small. Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland, Cam Dantzler, James Lynch. It looks like Ezra and Cam Dantzler are fine. James Lynch and Garrett Bradbury are out. Bradbury being the only real big uh, to-do, which actually brings us to the injury report, which is what this first part was kind of supposed to be about. But again, I want to get that out of the way. That this is a continued experiment that so far has gone in the favor of Vegas. Just so we're being very clear. They were disrespected against the Lions. Vegas was right. They were disrespected against the the Colts. Vegas was right. They were disrespected against the Giants. Vegas was right. They're again being disrespected against the Packers. A 12-win team, on average, wins by about 12. If Vegas is right, the Packers win by about three. We'll see how she goes. There's a big gap in between. We're talking about a 15-point swing in perception of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, what happens if they win by five? I don't know. I mean, even, even if they win by three, it doesn't necessarily mean every Vikings fan is wrong. Even if the Vikings win by 12, a, a, a team in which everybody accepts is really good against a team that everybody accepts is really bad. If the really bad team wins by 12, do we just flip it on? No, it, it's any given Sunday. But the point is, these are your expectations. And if you're a Vikings fan and you win by two, you can't shed the fraud label. But if you're, if you're a Vikings fan that's like, yeah, we're not exactly a 12-win team, but we're kind of like a 9-ish, 10-ish win team, and you win by 2, then, yeah, that's kind of what you expected. The point is, though, you need to have realistic expectations of what you think this team will do based on what you think this team is. This is what annoyed me about Bears fans earlier in the season. They would tell you flat out, they love their offensive linemen, right? They'd go down the line. The only guy they didn't like was Cody Whitehair for some reason, but Lucas Patrick's going to be a star. Tevin Jenkins is a star. These tackles we got are stars. Darnell Mooney is a top-five player. Our corner's a top-five guy. Justin Fields is an elite quarterback, and he's really going to prove everybody wrong, and we got this, and we got this, and we got this. Okay, so you think you're going to be a good team? Well, no, I don't. We're, we're going to win maybe five or six games. No, you're being inconsistent. What, what What's happening is... You're lying. You don't believe you have a good football team. You're pretending and you're setting it up so that you can say, we really have good players, but don't have to back it up with good play. And that's being inconsistent. Your expectations need to be set in relation to what your, your belief of your team is. If you're going to tell me that you got all these great players, then you should expect to be a great team that wins football games. You can't say we have a good quarterback Good offensive line, elite running back, elite wide receiver, great tight end in in Komet, really scary pass rushers, and they were going around saying they had the best front in the NFC North, a top 10 corner, a top 10 safety, plus they drafted a safety in a corner, an elite linebacker in Roquan. Yes, he's gone now, but it doesn't change the fact that earlier in the season. And I know a couple people left, but not a ton. I think they lost Roquan and, uh, what, Floyd? since the start of the season. It doesn't change their, their perception of al Qadin Muhammad and all the other guys. They, oh, they had the most depth is what it was. They had the best depth at pass rusher. So, so that works wildly against them as they lose one guy and then complain about it. But again, what, if, if I take everything you're saying and pump it into the old algorithm machine, you should be about, what, a 10, 12-win football team? Oh, well, no, 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 we're going to win four. You're lying especially if you also believe we have a great head coach and a great GM. You have a great head coach with a lot of talent, and you can't find a way to win games with it. That doesn't make any sense. If you're going to tell me what you think, that's fine. But I'm going to expect consistency. If you believe you are genuinely a 12-win team, and the Packers are complete garbage, and the Packers are the ones that are actual frauds, and they don't even deserve the seven wins that they have, this should be a double-digit win, flat out. And if you don't believe that, then you don't genuinely believe what you're saying. Let's, let's say more than a one-score victory. Let's call it nine. You should expect nine. If the Vikings are frauds, they probably lose the game, but at the very least, it's very close. Another three-point victory doesn't really prove the Vikings aren't frauds. It's exactly how they got the label to begin with, beating teams with losing records by a game-winning field goal. Anyways, let's, do the, um, let's run through the injury report here, and then we'll take a break, and then I'm going to go through every single game uh except monday although i did actually do it because thomas austin in the discord chat posted a little challenge and i was like all right dude let's do this but i didn't do monday so then i had to do monday but uh every game except monday's game all my uh what i actually what i did is i placed a bet on every single game just a buck on each game it's it's not a huge thing but again it's with the entire idea of challenging what it is you believe I believe that I'm using a fairly good metric. And yes, there's any given Sunday. But the point is, when you spread it across a lo- a large sample size, you'll see more and more and more hits than just a random sample. So we'll see. And then as some lose and some win, you, you start to kind of tweak how you go about this. And I think it's fun anyway. I wish I had started this earlier because I'm, I'm really starting to get into the numbers and gambling aspect of this. Not even f- so much from a gambling, like I want to make a bunch of money, just I find it fascinating. And I kind of feel like it's a lane that I can absolutely get into because I'm a, I'm turning into a complete numbers nerd. I'm not good at it because I'm just tip dipping my toe in right now, but I'm really starting to appreciate it at a high level. And so I guess I picked the team. There's always been this big um, hostile um, clash between the film guys and the, and the numbers guys. And I don't necessarily think there should be. I, I think film guys obviously have a way of seeing things that are very detailed. and Like if I want to know how Aaron Rodgers is doing, I'd probably rather talk to a film guy specifically who's watched every single snap. I mean, somebody that really knows what they're doing, every snap of every game. But when you're talking like who's going to win the game, I'm running to Vegas, I'm running to the numbers guys. Because there's just too much data in football, way too much data. You need a computer to run all the data. I don't trust a film guy to tell me what's going to happen next week. I trust... An IBM computer, you know, one of those. uh, What is that? What is that thing that they have? IBM. I don't know. Doesn't matter. So that was that was the philosophy behind it. Challenging my own perception on what I think is is the best way to judge teams. And again, I expect to be wrong because it's my method up against Vegas's method of of running sixty billion data points through a, a, a computer and spitting out a result. Although it does feel good when. It's hard to place a bet on almost every single game because um, you're coming up with very similar numbers to what Vegas has. Makes it feel like you're on the right track. It just—it also just makes it feel like, what's the point? <laughs> you're just discovering. And, and the and the margins in which I'm different and it's like, ooh, here's a bet, it's probably because that's where you're wrong and they're right. But it's fine. It's fun. I like it. Having a good time. All right, the latest on uh, Christian Watson via Tom Pellicero. Wide receiver Christian Watson will work out pregame... Uh, to determine if he can play against the Vikings per source. There is some optimism, but Watson didn't take a single full-speed rep in practice this week, so it's a true game-time decision. Either way, that's pretty bad news. It makes it feel like, at best, it's going to be a a snap count for Watson. But in reality, it kind of feels to me like we want, up until the last minute, to make sure that the Vikings are preparing for Christian Watson, who's not going to be on the field. And I, I don't need to explain why. I've, I've gone down the line of why I think Watson is, is critically important because we don't have that speed element without him. We really don't. And Romeo Dobbs is not the speed element, despite his hype uh, prior to that he's a really good deep threat. And that's fine. I mean, Lazard has been a great deep threat. I told you in man coverage, watch for that shot to Lazard down the field. And it happened again like clockwork last week. If you're going to press Alan Lazard, they're going to take that deep shot. And it's almost guaranteed to get one every single game. That doesn't mean he's a speed guy that's going to stretch the field, though. Uh, the other questionable guy is Keyshawn Nixon. So, I mean, I guess the good news is that, you know, everybody, I mean, David Bakhtiari and Yash Naiman, I mean, that, that was really serious stuff. Again, with, with um, the two pass rushers that the Vikings have, as bad as their defense is, it, it's quite surprising because, um, again, they're, if nothing else, pressure-generating machines. So they're going to be in the hip pocket of Aaron Rodgers all day. And um, without Yash and, and Bakhtiari, it's, it's pretty scary. So I'm hoping they're able to play and be healthy, and, and it's not just they're fighting through some stuff and we see like an a, a unusual bad day from David Bakhtiari. But um, we'll see. So, so that in and of itself is good news. Um, I would say I'm down on, on Keyshawn playing. We will see. But the guy hasn't practiced all week. And again, Christian Watson being a true game time decision, it doesn't sound good. And uh, usually when they're a true game time decision, I, I I feel like it's very rare that they're like, yep, he practiced and he's full go. Usually it's he tried and he's not ready. And then if they do go, I'm guessing, again, I think it's going to be snap count uh, limitations. But we will see, man. Anyways, that's uh, that's it for me, like actual me. But we'll take a break, we'll come back, and I'll, I'll get you the uh, game day predictions. And then hopefully tomorrow, we'll have a, uh, you know, Victory Monday and all that stuff. But we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I've been talking a lot of trash and a, and a, and a big game about all these betters and everything and they don't know what they're doing. And so I guess I want to put my money where my mouth is and, and really more or less just test out this theory that I have in terms of quality and specifically using this, primarily this DVOA thing. And I know there's more to it than that, but I just, just as a baseline, I kind of want to see where I'm at with some of this stuff. Um, because I feel like I can come to some pretty decent conclusions. Um, and so what I want to do is use this data and try to come up with actual bets that I'm going to put actual money on. And we'll just see how I did, because then we'll have an actual monetary record of these things. So I want to rip through the games real quick. And you know I can't do anything real quick, but we're going to try anyways. First game, Arizona-Atlanta. And and the basic premise of these things is that I'm going to start with sort of a baseline of using the DVOA, then try to grab any additional information I can to try to round out my thoughts and then make an official bet and leave it at that. So first of all, for Arizona and Atlanta, depending on, because remember, there's always two scores that you get. There's, There's looking at Arizona's score totals, uh, points and points against compared to Atlanta's DVOA and Atlanta's points compared to Arizona's DVOA. I'm also doing home and away. The one score total has Atlanta blowing out Arizona to 29 to 20. The other has it much closer, but 19 to 18. So Arizona, I've got pretty solidly in the about 19, 20 points. The question is, will Atlanta score 19 or 29? And the biggest discrepancy here has to do with this weird quirk where Arizona's defense is significantly better on the road than at home and that has me kind of a little thrown off now it's hard to go all in on Atlanta's going to blow them out considering I have them with a a barely one I mean 18.7 to 19.1 it's basically 1919 it's hard to say that they're going to cover this um what is it three and a half point spread and so I guess essentially what I'm looking for is a tiebreaker. And if I can't get a tiebreaker, I'm just going to take Atlanta to win. And honestly, when I look at this, shit, I, I hate this. I said I was going to bet something. I, if I was going to stay away from one, this is probably the one to do it. If you're looking at 20 to 29 compared to 18 to 19, um, I'm definitely leaning pretty heavily toward 18 to 19. I don't see any massive injuries in terms of like they, they just lost their quarterback for the season or anything like that. Here's the issue, though. If you look at Atlanta's offense, and yes, they are significantly better at home, but still, um, the last couple of weeks, 9, 18, 16, 13. They did score 27 against the Bears, then 15, then 17, then 37 against the Bears. It's mostly, what, 13 to 18? I haven't projected at 19. Both teams are on massive losing streaks. Um, Arizona has lost five in a row. Atlanta has lost four in a row. I really don't even want to touch this one because it's one point. So I think we'll see. I don't want to leave them all, but when we're talking about one point, and not even, 18.7 compared to 19.1, it's not even a half a point difference. And the problem is with Atlanta getting a, you you know what I should do? What I could do anyways is take Arizona's, I could take Arizona at three and a half. In other words, I don't think Atlanta will cover the 3.5 points. Maybe that's the best way to play this one. Although, again, it's scary to, to have the one-point prediction at 29-20. to 20. But Atlanta has not scored 29 points since week 8. And they've, that's actually the only time they've hit 29 points. So I'm just going to man up and do it. I'm not going to put a lot on any of these games. I just want to see how it comes out in the end. And maybe I could hedge that by betting Atlanta wins Arizona covers. I don't know if it'll even, even let me do that. Anyways, uh, next game. Bears Lions game is in Detroit. Detroit are 6 point favorites at least via PFF. Let's check with the sports book I'm using that will remain nameless. Yep, 6 points there too. So this game I've got coming down to pretty much just an absolute drubbing. Um in one instance I have it Detroit wins 30.7 to 20.1. So call it 31-20. The other one has it 33 to 23. So this is a 6 point spread and based on how i have it the other thing i could look at actually is the over under which would be interesting i should have looked at arizona dang it they have that at 42 so that would be an app yeah that's, that's still close i'm good with it all right so i should take detroit to cover the six points because in both cases i have them winning by 10 the over under is set at 52 that's rated right about what i have it i have it uh in one instance it's at about 51 the other one's about 50. So I'm not going to touch the over under, but I am going to have Detroit, which scares the living daylights out of me, covering the six points. Next up, Denver, Kansas City. Obviously, Denver has been going through some stuff. They lost Hackett. You could say that's a positive. Uh, you know, you get that little influx of of excitement, but at the same time, you could also say that's a negative because the team's at an all time low. I'm just going to leave it at, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just call it even. Kansas City is 12 and a half point favorites. Over under set at 45. And the game is in Kansas City. So in this game, the two scores, it comes out to uh, Kansas City winning 24 to 15 and Kansas City winning 29 to 17. Technically, even the bigger spread is just 12 points, which would be under the 12.5. The other one is significantly under the 12.5 at just uh, 8.5. Well, I guess a nine-point victory, depending on how you round it. So I'm tempted to take the under, but again, one of the score totals has it at like exactly 12, so that scares me. The over-under is at 45. The two different score totals I have are 39 and 46. So one is significantly under, one is quite a bit over. So tempted to take the under on both. I think if I had to pick... Jeez... I guess the, 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 the under 12 and a half, technically both of them were under 12 and a half. Even the one that was close was close but under, 29 to 17. I want to see something here. Yeah, they just played Denver and they beat them by six. And that was just two weeks, three weeks ago. So I'm going to go with the under on this. I think it could be close, not the under. I'm, I'm going to say that Denver covers 12 and a half points. Next game is Miami, New England, and obviously we have a really big uh, question mark here with Tua Tungavailoa, so I'm tempted to give myself a pass on this one because <laughs> all the data I'm using is irrelevant. Um, I know Tua was out for a little bit of time. I could look at that. It's a really small sample size, though. You know what's interesting? Tua was on pace to be like easily one of the top quarterbacks, if not the top quarterback in the NFL this year, but he hasn't had a good game since week 12. When was his... F- first concussion? No, that was earlier in the year. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Tua was out weeks five and six, and they lost to the Jets and the Vikings. Vikings. Just saying. It looks like those are the only two weeks. I tell you what, um, I'm going to chicken out and give myself a pass on this one. Um, Obviously, Miami is going to struggle without Tua, but New England is on a uh, pretty bad losing skid here, losing four out of their last five. The only win coming against the Cardinals, who are also in their own little bit of a skid here. Um, and since primarily everything I'm doing is based on historical data, uh, I got nothing for this particular game. If I had to pick one just for fun, I'm going to say Miami still wins. Although it's in New England. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick the Patriots. If it was in Miami, I would have said Miami still wins. Um, the quarterbacks actually performed fairly well against Minnesota. They did not the other week the road game the quarterbacks did not perform well the home game they did there's also some data and it's largely seen as a Tua thing but it could just be a team thing team doesn't seem to do very well on the road especially in the cold so Miami hitting the road without Tua in New England ah uh, yeah yeah I'm not going to do a score prediction I'm not going to bet but I do think New England wins the game Colts Giants very important game for us um not going to lie I'm honestly a little nervous about the result that I'm going to find here <laughs> The Giants are at home in this game. Uh, the Colts are starting Nick Foles. So that is a somewhat of a different situation. It's hard to imagine after watching that Vikings game that you can get much worse than the Colts and Matt Ryan, but apparently that is the case. Now, it's only been one week, so maybe Foles kind of takes a step forward. But anyways, let's just see where we're at, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there and see if there's something else we can glean from this quarterback situation. Hi, it's Sunday, me again. I don't know what happened. My uh, thing got cut off, so I don't have all of it. But we're going to power through this really fast, okay, because I don't have everything up, and I'm not going to look it up again, but I have my score predictions, and I have what bet I made. All right, you ready? Speed round! Because I don't know how to save stuff properly, apparently. So I know I was talking Giants-Colts. I don't remember exactly how far I got, but uh, I do have the Giants winning in pretty comfortably 14-20 to The other score is uh, 14 to 25. So pretty consistent on the Colts not being able to do jack squad. And so I picked the Giants with the five and a half point handicap because I have them winning by six in one instance, and I have them winning by 11 in the other. So although one of them is pretty close, when you look at them combined, either way, I have them winning and covering the five and a half points. Next game, Jacksonville Jaguars, Houston Texans. Final scores... I have Jacksonville pretty comfortably around 25-26. The official scores are 25 and 25.8. Houston I have at 16.2 and 19.1. So 16 to 25 or 19 to 26 are the score predictions for these. Both In both cases, Jacksonville obviously coming out ahead. The Jaguars are only four-point favorites, so I took the Jacksonville Jaguars at minus four because, again, these are very comfortable wins. I have it them winning by, what, nine and six, seven? So, I'll take the four Tampa Bay and the Carolina Panthers. I have Tampa Bay in one instance and and some of these I kind of threw out a little bit because it's you know i've I've got thirty to eighteen tampa bay and and Tampa does not score thirty points, so this is largely and and here's the thing though you gotta remember Tampa Bay some of these teams are really, really good at home, really, really bad on the road, so you look at it and you say, "Well, this is a home game, and Carolina is terrible on the road so I just remember that. I'm not looking it up, but I remember Carolina's terrible on the road. Tampa Bay's really good at home, and so when you factor in their offense and then the multiplier of how garbage Carolina's defense is on the road, it ended up giving them 30. I don't think they hit 30. It might be one of those crazy things where they hit 30 inexplicably, and it's like, oh, Tampa's back. It's like, well, no, it's just a unique situation, whatever. But either way... That is a uh, 12 point win, 30 to 18. The other score I have is 21 to 16, which is much closer, but it's a lower score for Carolina. Either way, pretty big win for Tampa Bay. Um, and so I went with Tampa Bay in their th- only three points. Now, if this was a bigger handicap in favor of Tampa, I'd be a lot more nervous because, again, the more realistic scenario is probably the 16 to 21, which is just five points. So if they had set it at five, I'd be like, I don't know what to do. I'd probably do it just because of the other score that's in here. But uh, at three points, I'm relatively comfortable, especially since again, Tampa Bay at home is a different animal, and Carolina on the road is a different animal. Cleveland and Washington, uh, very very close games. In fact, I actually have it reversed. There are only I think two games where, depending on the score, I have in one instance Washington winning twenty-one to twenty; the other, Cleveland wins twenty to nineteen. Essentially, the the official scores. and 21. So Washington wins 21 to 19.8. The other is uh, Cleveland wins 19.5 to 18.5. So very, very, very close. Because it's close, I decided to take Cleveland plus two. And and by the way, this is not the right way to do gambling if you're going to do it, right? I mean, this this is the kind of game you probably just stay away from. But because I want to kind of get a larger sample size, I went through every game and placed at least one bet. And so I decided to go with Cleveland and with the two points, because even in the situation where I have Washington winning, it's a one-point win. So in both of these, Cleveland with a two-point handicap is is the play. But again, very, very close. Not super confident in it, but that's where I went. New Orleans and Philadelphia is just an absolute slaughter fest. Um, 16.8 to 29.3, so 17-29 Philly. The other score, 13.7 to 27, so we'll call it 14 to 27. These are massive wins. Uh, One is a 13-point win. I think they're both 13-point wins, actually. And so the Eagles are 6.5-point favorites. I hate betting in favor of big favorites, especially if it's like 10, 12, 15, or whatever. But 6.5 is pretty big, but I'm relatively comfortable, again, with both predictions coming in at 13-point wins, 6.5, compared to some of these games, like like the last one we talked about this one i feel much more comfortable with jets Seahawks um this is another one where it's reversed so i have one 20 point eight jets to 17 point5 Seattle so we'll call it 21 21 seventeen because it was actually four point uh, point four six 21 seventeen jets the other score is 2120 and and it's actually less than one point because it's 20 point seven to nineteen point nine four Fortunately, I liked the under in this one, so I didn't have to touch the score. So I just took the under 42 and a half. The one score, I have it at 38, and the one I have at 41. So again, it's close. The 41 obviously is close to forty-two and a half, and but uh, it's the only one where I have them both under. So I like that better than betting on either of these teams as favorites. So I'm going to take the under in the Jets-Seattle game, especially when, again, I'm kind of iffy on the whole Jets traveling across the entire country. Um To play in on the West Coast, I don't really know. I didn't dig in, and this is an area where you would, if you really wanted to, kind of dig into this. West Coast teams or East Coast teams flying all the way to the West Coast, specifically Jets flying to the West Coast, and all those different variables and how that plays in. But um, for me, it just helps factor into the under. I don't know that it should, but I'm guessing if you look it up, you'll see lower point totals, kind of like you see in bad weather. 49ers, Raiders, um, relatively comfortable, but not as much as you would think. The one score, I do have 25-17, 49ers. The other one, I have 26-24 in favor of the 49ers, just two points. This is another one where the Raiders at home are kind of a different animal. However, given the turmoil and everything else that's going on, I did decide to... um, Well, it looks like what I did is I just picked San Francisco to win. I think I was going to give myself an out to not touch it because I was kind of iffy on it. But I picked the 49ers to win, kind of a cowardly bet, but it's better than not making one. The the instability at quarterback really just kind of throws me, not knowing, you know, should I just really, should I take the 49ers with the uh, points and everything? The problem is it's nine and a half point favorites for San Francisco. Th- this is one where it was, if it was like three points, four points, no problem. Because even though one of them I have uh, really close, I'll take the quarterback situation and say the two points, if it was like 3 points in favor of the 49ers, I'll look at that and say yeah, The the 3 points is fine because of the quarterback and the turmoil and all that stuff, but at 9, I can't do it. Especially since my, the the other even even the really big score differential I have is only 8. So in reality, I should take the under. But I can't do it because of the quarterback thing. So I just picked the 49ers to win. I'm not going to get I'll get like 14 cents out of that, but it's it's again, it's better than nothing. Uh, Packers Green Bay, I already kind of explained. However, I ran the numbers a little bit differently today than I have in the past. So when I told you yesterday, I'm going to amend slightly. And rather than picking the Vikings to cover and the Packers to win, I picked the Packers to cover the new point totals that I have 24, 20 in favor of Green Bay, 28, 24 in favor of Green Bay. So that is a four point win and a four point win. Don't feel great about three-point... And actually, I got it at three-and-a-half, which super sucks. <laughs> it dropped to three in front of my eyes. I picked the three-and-a-half for the Packers, which I probably shouldn't have because, you know, again, I have a four-point win, pretty scary, but whatever. Decided to go all-in, take the Packers at the three-and-a-half, and I placed the bet, and I went back to the screen, and I watched it drop to three right in front of my face. Just, just sucks. So... um, Chargers Rams, I have uh, another very, very close game. The bigger point spread is 19.5 to 24.2, so kind of 2024, 20, four and a half point win for the Rams. The other is 21 to 20.9, so nearly a tie game between the Rams and the Chargers. But in both cases, the interesting part, I have the Rams winning and the Chargers are favorited. So I decided to kind of go all in again. And rather than just going with the safe bet and taking the Rams to cover the spread, I actually picked them to win. So that'll make up for my uh, cowardice with the 49ers and the, and the Raiders if the Rams end up winning. Uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, I have Baltimore winning in both. In one, it's 20 to 17, the other 23.5 to 15. So, eight and a half point win and a two point win for Baltimore. I made uh, two bets and made it a parlay because why not? Let's have some fun. Probably shouldn't have because it kind of goes against what I'm supposed to be doing because now both of them have to hit and that's not really how this works. But whatever, we're having fun. I took the Baltimore Ravens at two and a half points. Kind of an iffy situation considering one of uh, my point spreads has it at a... Oh no, no, it it's a three-point win, right? Am I looking at the right game? I think I might have been looking at the wrong scores. I don't know. 17 to 20 is three points. So yeah, I, I took them at two and a half, so that makes sense. Just was doubting my uh, thought process there for a minute. But then I also took the over. The point total is set at 35 only, which is extremely low. Probably should have checked the weather to see if that's kind of what's factoring into that. However, I have it at 37 and 38, 39-ish. So I also have it really low, but at 35, I'm going to say that they hit the over. So that's a It's the one parlay of the day that I did. And then the final game, um, and again, I I didn't place a bet. I guess I could now, right? Or no, I did place a bet. So I didn't initially on the podcast, but this isn't the new podcast because it didn't save. So here we are. I actually made two bets. So for the Monday night game, Buffalo and Cincinnati, I have Cincinnati winning in both instances against Buffalo. The closer of the two is basically 21-21, but it's 21.3 to 20.8. The other one that has Cincinnati winning a little bit bigger, twenty-five to twenty-one. So in both cases, Buffalo scores twenty-one. It's either Cincinnati twenty-one or Cincinnati twenty-five. So the uh, two bets I made is the Bengals win since Buffalo is favorited. Again, I decided to go with the uh, courageous route rather than picking Cincinnati to cover. I'll just pick them to win, get a little bit extra if they do. Plus the odds of a of a of a cover but lose with a one point one and a half point spread. I mean, if they win by one, then then that would have been the way to go. But I think the odds are a little bit closer in my favor. The other is I took the under. They have it as a pretty high-scoring game at 49.5 points. I have it as a more low-scoring game. I think the defenses are what's more impressive of these teams uh, when I looked at the DVOA. So I have it at uh, 46 and 41. So pretty big gap. Compared to the, the 50 that they're expecting. So I took the under pretty comfortably in that as well. So that's all I got, folks. Again, not great news. I do have the Packers winning, which is great. I expect the Giants to win pretty comfortably. However, this Washington game is going to be the big one. Um, again, I, I have it split. I've got either way, Cleveland scoring about 20, 19.5, and 19.8. Washington, I have scoring 18.5, and 21. So with Cleveland scoring 20 ish and Washington scoring either 19 or 21, um, that's a a big game, man. Big, 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 big. Come Come on, on. Cleveland. Anyways, guys, uh, I hope you have a great day, and uh, we'll see how this experiment plays out. Uh, Otherwise, you guys have a good one. I will talk to you tomorrow for hopefully Victory Monday. Bye-bye.